from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. At the outset of the coronavirus pandemic, credit union leaders embraced the qualities of collaboration, empathy, and dedication to member service to shift into emergency mode. They'll carry forward many lessons learned during this time. I'm Ron Jose, a senior editor with CUNA News. In this podcast, two credit union CEOs share their pandemic experiences and how they're moving forward. Lynette Smith, president CEO of True Energy Credit Union in Springfield, Virginia, shares how her organization leveraged a largely remote workforce to serve 9,000 members during the pandemic with a blend of technology and appointment-only, face-to-face member service. Max Villaranga, President CEO of El Paso, Texas Area Teachers Federal Credit Union, serves 65,000 members largely through remote services in one of the states hit hardest by the pandemic. Join us as Lynette and Max provide insight that every credit union leader can identify with, as well as a few lessons that they can apply within their own organizations. What was your biggest challenge with the pandemic? Lynette, we'll start with you. Our initial challenge began last March. Our credit union, along with 5,000 other credit unions, moved swiftly to make sure that members had access to their shared deposits. We implemented various COVID-19 loan products, SBA PPP loans, relief of loan payments, and many fees normally charged without hesitation. The health, well-being, and safety of our credit union membership and employees was one of our major priorities, period. Without them, our industry would not exist. Credit union pandemic policies and procedures should be carefully reviewed and updated sooner than later to include various contingency plans for staffing, backup, and alternatives. Another challenge is that we are learning best practices as we go along day by day with so much uncertainty. We have never experienced a financial market quite like this. I call it our new financial world. How about you, Max? I would say one of our biggest challenges was initially mobilizing the team for a long-term threat that was very serious. Supplying the PPE and the sanitation supplies, we were very fortunate because we took it seriously early. We were able to get our orders in early and get supplies before they were constricted as heavily as some of our peers dealt with. And certainly there were shortages of laptops and communication equipment. That was a real serious problem, I think, across not only our industry, but everybody. And I think they're still dealing with some of these shortages now. Yeah, and it's also a very anxious time for everybody, members and employees. How do you provide comfort for your stakeholders at your credit union? Well, we do a lot of different things. I mean, the the first thing that we've tried to do from right off the bat, Ron, is communication. So we do a lot of it. I've always said that during an emergency, you need to multiply your communication by three. So the frequency has to increase. We do a weekly level of communication from my office specifically. And one of the other commitments we make is we speak the truth. So we focus on facts. 
We don't sugarcoat anything. If we have to give bad news, we give bad news. We just lay it out there. And what's ended up happening is over time, our team has started to really, they trust that information because right now, and and I think throughout the pandemic, most people would agree that there's a ton of misinformation out there. Social media is full of misinformation and bias information. So just laying out exactly the facts that exist and giving them the information that they need to protect themselves and their families has been important. So I think that has helped in reducing the level of anxiety. We, of course, uh, sent a lot of our team home to be able to work from home. We also created safe spaces on site because many of our team members, it was surprising to learn that home is not a very good environment for them to work in. It may not even be a safe environment for them to work in in some cases. So we had to create safe environments here at work that were socially distanced for those team members that could not work from home. And of course, all the major precautions that the CDC and the WHO has put out there, we went through that. Uh, We closed our lobbies and we've kept them closed this entire time. And we've provided every product and service that we provide through alternative methods. And then of course, the last thing I'll mention is mental health resources. We've really tried to remind our team that we have free mental health resources available to them during this time so that if that anxiety or depression is setting in to reach out and get help. How about you, Lynette? How do you ease uh, anxiety for members and employees? What we're doing, some of the same things, I I will let you know that um, we have a COVID task force team as well. And by the end of March, we had 90% of our employees working remote. What we do is we have uh, daily COVID task force meetings. So who's involved in that is uh, not only my uh, direct reports, but also the manager of people and culture, HR. So what we wanted to do is make sure that we continued the synergy with operations, member experience, and human resources. That was very important. Lynette, what are some leadership lessons that you applied during the pandemic? I'm always trying to read and keep up on on things that are going on. And I came across an article from the Harvard Business Review 2020 that I really felt captured leadership lessons and behaviors during the COVID pandemic. And I'd like to share it with you today. The first behavior is behavior one. Decide with precision. Leaders need to quickly process available information and make decisions with conviction. We're not going to get it perfect all the time, but our decisions should make sense and be fact-based decisions. Behavior two, adapt boldly. Decide what not to do. Review your current business plan and communicate these plans to your team. We need to continue our forward thinking as leaders and remain flexible to change. Behavior three, deliver reliably. Take ownership in a crisis, even if situations are out of control. During a crisis, leaders must remain in charge and be responsible for their credit union success and failures. And that's saying it's lonely at the top, it is, but you have to really be accountable for what happens at your credit union. The last behavior is engage 
for impact. You have to take care of your team as Max does a very good job of that. Listen to their recommendations. Keep them engaged. Remember, no one knows your member experience better than your team. If they are engaged with the credit union and the operation, it will guarantee the continued success of the credit union. And also, don't be afraid to pick that phone up. I feel that's very important. If you have an email, why don't you call that employee and have a conversation with them? And I did that today, as a matter of fact, and I found out I have an employee that has lost three family members to COVID. If I had not made that call, I wouldn't have known that. And it was an opportunity for me to tell her that we are sending out our condolences. And again, it reinforces that we remind them that their health and well-being is a top priority. So, Max, what are some leadership lessons that you've applied during the pandemic? Well, it's, it's hard to follow Lynette. She just absolutely nailed it. So I guess I'll focus on, on a couple of things that might be a slight accentuation of those great points she brought up from the Harvard Business Review. One is, is just a lesson that I learned as an infantry officer in the United States Marine Corps. And it's that an 80% solution on time is better than a 100% solution too late. And that has been really critical during the pandemic because the leaders that are waiting for perfect information, you're too late and you're going to keep being too late. So you have to make well-intentioned, fact-based decisions, as Lynette said, at that point of engagement, every single day, every single hour, you've got to be making decisions that are in the best interest of your stakeholders, all of them, your members, your team, and the public. I would venture to say that we have a big responsibility to the public at large. So if we are creating and taking steps that are allowing that virus to spread within our ranks, are allowing it to spread to our members, then we're allowing it to spread through the public. And we are, you know, accountable for those actions and behaviors. And so we took very bold steps early on to utilize science, to provide the factual basis for our decisions. And we continue to do that, even when there are at times decisions being made by civic leaders that may be contrary to science. So we have stayed the course and we're very proud of the actions that we've taken. And I'm, I'm very thankful to have a board of directors that is supportive throughout each of those decision points. The second thing that I would mention is not to hide in a corporate ivory tower. It's important that we lead from the front. I've never heard of lead from the rear. That's not a real saying because it doesn't make sense. So in the beginning, especially, a lot of people were fearful, including leaders. And that's when leaders have to step up the most and uh, put a mask on and make sure that their team members are safe and go visibly verify that they're following protocol. And I think those are some critical things. Even you know, while following social distancing, you can maintain your safety. Are there any practices that you've adopted during the pandemic that you're going to carry forward into the future? One is remote meetings. We use them very sparingly before, but I think all of us will agree that we're likely to use them a lot more in the future, whether it's with the credit union or some of the boards that we serve on. 
I've heard a lot of commentary that, wow, we get way more attendance when we do these remotely than when we had them in person. And we don't have to deal with traffic and a lot of different things. So I think the acceleration of that adoption has happened and it's going to be real hard to go backwards. We'll probably have a sort of hybrid model in the future. The second thing that I think we're going to carry forward is e-commerce has accelerated as well. So this was a big part of our plan. We have our own e-commerce division, but the resourcing of that division and the speed at which we're moving in that direction has also exponentially multiplied by this pandemic. What do you think the new normal will look like going forward for credit unions, Lynette? As Max talked about, e-commerce, digital and virtual member experience will remain a high priority for the credit union industry. This strategy needs to be at the top of everything we do moving forward, in my opinion. I also feel that credit unions need to do a comprehensive feasibility study and probably make decisions to reduce the amount of physical square footage required at both branch and headquarter locations. On a positive note, our business partners, credit union associations and LEAP have stepped up in a big way and are providing free webinars on best practices as we navigate through our new normal. And they continue that. And I think that will be our normal life, free webinars. And on another note, I think it's very important, and Max talked about it, the training, education, and mentorship is an important priority. CEOs are participating in more roundtables and willing to share their best practices. This is what credit unions are about. Not only are we about people helping people, but I have seen more credit unions helping credit unions. Max, how do you think the new normal will look going forward? I'm going to just approach this metrically. There's going to be a lot less branch activity. And the reason is many members have been forced to find their mobile apps. They've been forced online to their tablets and and to their laptops and home computers. And they've been forced into remote deposit capture through ATM type devices. So once you sort of go down that road, the biggest barrier is getting a person to use it a couple of times. And, and then after that, the fear is gone. And many times people ask themselves, well, why did I wait so long to adopt this? This is fantastic. So what that's going to lead us to is the new real world, which is that in-person transaction costs will be more expensive per unit or per transaction, which is going to accelerate the declining value of branching in a traditional sense. How has COVID affected your CEU financially? Has it started to creep in yet? And how are you responding? One of the things that we have done and many other credit unions have done is we overfunded our allowance for loan and lease loss. Right now, we're overfunded to the tune of about 37%. And that's anticipating additional credit losses. It just hasn't happened. We haven't had any additional credit losses so far. So we're sort of waiting for that shoe to drop, but it hasn't dropped. And and so has that overfunding dampened our earnings? Yeah, a little, but we've remained quite strong overall. And that's even with our debit card and credit card interchange uh, income being down, uh, courtesy pay has been down, all due to just lack of uh, swiping and, and a little bit less consumption on, on certain goods. 
our liquidity levels are, are uh, very high, which is, you know, drives the cost of funds up from a volume standpoint. And most of us have had to drop deposit rates in response to some degree. And then kind of unusually, our credit union, we have not had any problem with loan demand. We have actually continued to be up year over year, double digit. And this has allowed us to be financially strong through the pandemic. How about you, Lynette? I think this is the calm before the storm because we allowed members to skip a pay. And in some cases, some credit unions, not mine, but have gone up to six months. So those delinquencies are not showing up yet. We are financially sound. We've seen an increase in deposits, 10%. It was double digit as of June. And I think we're going to continue to see that those mortgage loans are going on the books at 2.6%. And that might seem very low, but in essence, it's not when you look at what you're earning in overnight is less than 25 basis points. So we've had to purchase some participation loans because our loan growth is not growing like Max's is, even though we have the products out there, they're just not growing, but we don't want that money sitting in overnight. So participation loans, I would encourage in credit unions to look at that. It's just a way to help other credit unions that are overfunded or overextended in their loan-to-share ratio. And uh, we can just spread that and help other credit unions out, increase their net interest margin. So I, I do think that we won't know anything solid and concrete probably until the last quarter of 2020 or the first quarter of 2021. So building on that, Lynette, what do you think the long-term impact of COVID will be on your CU and on credit union movement in general? Yeah, this is a good one, Ron, and a good way to conclude. The long-term impact of COVID will be the sustainability of over 5,000 credit unions. We should all strive to remain safe and sound financial institutions beyond COVID. But I tell you, I am concerned that if small credit unions don't have the technology and digital platform to serve their members during this time, we might see more mergers and fewer number of credit unions over the next few years. That concerns me. That's great perspective, Lynette. Thank you. Max, do you have anything to add? I think e-commerce can be, uh, to a degree, an equalizer for a lot of organizations. I think the adoption of more flexible work for our team members will likely be pushed. If it's not pushed by the managers, it'll likely be pushed by our employees. Many of them are going to like this and might want to do some sort of uh, different arrangement in the future to be an employer of choice. We may need to consider that. I think there's going to be less physical infrastructure in the future. I think that's just going to be what happens. And I'll tell you something that we rolled out that has been very popular is the ability to schedule your MSRs or your call center representatives on a face-to-face call from your own uh, laptop or tablet. They can schedule that ahead of time and make an appointment. They still get that face-to-face interaction that they want and that they miss, but they can plan for it in the future. It's also helped our branches plan their labor allocation more effectively than the walk-in traffic was before. So I think there's a lot of really good things that are going to come out of this, and it may be face-to-face interaction. It just might not be the face-to-face interaction that we were used to. 
Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 